Shas Illuminated presents the following shear by Rabbi Chaim Balter. Maseches Sukkah has been dedicated by Mr. and Mrs. Noach Stengel, Le'ilu Nishmas Menachem Meir ben Naftali, and Esther Bas David. Today's daf is Chavdalot Amalav, and the first topic we will be discussing is a Shas topic, the topic of Im Yeshbera The way the Gemara in Maseches Sukkah actually comes as Machlokes starts on Chavgimel Amalav, where the Gemara discusses a machlok is between Reb Meir and Reb Yehuda of whether you're able to utilize a behema for defanoshal sukkah. According to Shittas Reb Meir, you're uh, not able to use it because Reb Meir says chayish lemisa, and Reb Yehuda says lo chayish lemisa. So according to Shittas Reb Meir, we see that there is a chashash that a person cannot use an animal from one of the walls of his sukkah because perhaps the animal may die and therefore invalidate the Dufanos HaSukkah. The Gemara then asks a steer, and the Gemara says that there is a famous b'risa throughout Shas, which says, Someone who takes yain, who, who buys wine from uh, kusim, the assumption is that when you buy wine from kusim, they have not been mafresh trumas or maishas. And in this specific scenario, as Rashi tells us, it's either Shabbos, or you do not have the proper kalim to be mafresh trumas or maishas. The question is, how will you be able to eat this yayin, to drink from this um, yayin on Shabbos, based on the fact that you're not allowed to be mafresh trumas or maishas on Shabbos? So it says, Halokeach yayin mi ben akusim, Omer, a person says, that even though I'm not going to be mafresh now, let what I will be mafresh in the future be chal retroactively. So the actual maishar, the actual Hafrashas, uh, Trumas, or Maishas will not take place on Shabbos, but rather will take after Shabbos. And the question is, can I say that the Maisa Hafrash that I do after Shabbos can then be retroactively utilized to eat the uh, the foodstuffs or to drink the Yaya on Shabbos itself? So the Bryce says, Omer, Shnei Lugim Shani Asid Lahafrish. The two lugim that I am eventually going to go ahead and to separate for truma, harehin truma. Then you also take asara, you separate one tenth for meiserishon, tisha meisersheni, umeichel v'shos miyad divarev meir. Rashi says v'shos miyad v'samchinen abreira, that there is a concept of breira here, and Rashi explains ukashiyavu lebeso, and when you eventually come to your house and you're able to be mafresh truma from meiseris. Yafresh, Varminan Yesh Brera, and you say this concept of Yesh Brera, Sheelu Hain Maasrin U Trumason. That I say eventually, whatever I decide in the future to actually separate for Trumasumisers, that retroactively will be Trumasumisers. The Gemara brings a dissenting opinion, Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Yosir, Rabbi Shimon, Osrim. Now, first, the Gemara assumes that everyone holds of Yesh Brera. The only issue is, are you allowed to utilize this lechatchila? Reb Meir, the Gemara, feels you're allowed to utilize this lechatchila. And the Gemara feels that this is a contradiction. Because the Gemara says earlier, Reb Meir was chayish lemisa. And here he's not worried that perhaps whatever foodstuffs or wine that you want to use later for trumas or maestros will fall on the floor and not be utilized. So the Gemara compares the chashash that an animal may die to the chashash that may be the wine will spill. For Rabbi Huda lo chayish lemisa, and Rabbi Huda is not choshesh lemisa. However, here it appears that Rabbi Huda is choshesh and will not allow a person to be mafresh trumas and maestros in this fashion lechatchila, because you're afraid that in the future, as the Gemara says, the chayish libikias node. You're worried that perhaps the wine may open, the barrel may open and spill, and you will not have the ability to be mafresh later. So the Gemara first assumes that everyone holds yesh breira. It's just a machlokis about what you are choshesh. If you are choshesh, whether perhaps what you will utilize later to be mafresh trumas and maishos will spill in the interim. The Gemara, however, ends up saying that that's not the machlokis. The machlokis is Rabbi Yehuda says not only lechatchila, you cannot be mafresh trumas and maishos in this fashion, that they should actually be chal retroactively, but rather the Rabbi Yehuda says essentially, even if you do this Maisa HaFrasha, and even if eventually there is enough Yayin at the end of the day to do it, it won't be Chal Lemafreya. It'll only be Chal Mikan Lahaba because he holds Lesle Brera. 
And therefore the Gemara says there's no um, steer between Shittas Rabbi Huda. The Gemara similarly says that Rameir will not have a steer either, because even though at the end of the day the Gemara says Rameir holds Yesh Brera, he says that an animal is different than a barrel of wine. A barrel of wine, it's much easier for a person to protect, and he could create a shomer, and he could be extra diligent about not letting it spill. As opposed to an animal, you're not in control of the animal. But at the end of the day, the Gemara says, we have a machlokis between Rameir and Rabbi Huda, in Yesh Breira, Ein Breira. Now, there are two important questions that come up throughout Shas in this fundamental machlokis, if Yesh Breira or Ein Breira. The first question is, how do you understand the Mandi Omer Ein Breira? It appears there's a major machlokis we've shown him, according to the Mandi Omer Ein Breira. Do you say that because of Ein Breira, there's absolutely no chalos at all? Meaning that if a person says, I am eating foodstuffs now, and eventually, when I decide which of these foodstuffs I am going to go ahead and use for trumas and maestras, even though I'm doing it in three, four days, Eventually, when I'm mafresh, let that hafrasha bichal retroactively. The man, the Amr, who rejects that and says you can't do it retroactively. Does that man, the Amr, feel ain brera absolutely? And there's no chalos at all? And what you've eaten in the interim, between the time that you've eaten and you eventually are mafresh trumas or maestros, is it iser tevel? Or maybe the man, the Amr, holds ain brera, holds there is a chalos. The problem is that you cannot have a chalos that is indeterminate. And therefore, what happens is, there is an eventual hafrashas trumas um maestras. However, in the interim, the hafrasha that takes place is indeterminate. So the issue is not an issue of eating tevel in the interim, but the problem is, until you decide what exactly you're being mafresh, the hafrasha is in a state of limbo and confusion. And that is the Lashon of Rashi in Chulin Yedalim Amar Aleph, Divra Hamaschal Oisrim. That Lashon of Rashi is Shechoshishin Shema Truma Shosa. It's Mashmur from Pshitas Rashi that even the Mandi Omer who holds Ein Brera holds that there is a Chalos in the interim. The problem is that Chalos is indeterminate and therefore you're not sure if, if what you're eating actually has a shame Truma on it or shame chulin on it. Therefore, Rashi says, the issue is that I may be eating truma in the interim. Fascinating, according to Rashi, even according to the man, the Yomar Ein Brera, it would be mutter for a Kohen to go ahead, even according to the man, the Yomar Ein Brera, and to eat in the interim from the foodstuffs. However, Tosus in Erevin clearly disagrees with this Rashi. In Erevin, uh, Rashi says... Shitas Rashi is brought as Shitas Ri in Tosas Erevin Lamed Zayin Amad Beis Divar Hamaschel Elamiato, where Tosas says in the name of Ri that even if you hold Ein Brera, there still is actually a Chalos that goes retroactively. But once again, it's a Chalos that is murky and unclear. So even though you eventually are Mafresh, the Truma, after a period of time, there is a chalos lemafreya. However, as we mentioned, according to Rashi and Nari, that chalos is one whereby truma is chal. However, we're not sure what parts of the foodstuffs are truma, and we have truma and nechulin muuravin biyachad. However, Tosus over there in Erevin rejects this idea, and it says, according to the Mandiomer Ein Brera, in our Gemara on the top of Chavdal Amid Aleph, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yosi, Rabbi Shimon Oisrin, the really the reason that they aser the hafrashas truma lemafreya is because there is no chalos at all, and it's in iser tevel. So once again, Rashi shita is the reason, according to Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yosef, and Rabbi Shimon, they are oser because they hold ein brera is because it's truma and chulim moravim biachad, as opposed to Tosus and most other rishonim that is because it is tevel. Rabbi Kiva Eger in Drush Chidish Marocha Dalid says that our Gemara on Chavdalad Omer Aleph is mashma, like the Shita that says the Iser to eat Truma, if you hold Ein Brera from the very outset, is an Iser Tevel. Because the Gemara quotes Vaham Middik Tani Sefer, quotes the end of the Brisa, where those Tanoim that hold Ein Brera retort to Reb Meir, Amrulo, they say, Amrulo the Reb Meir, they say to Reb Meir, 
would you not agree, Shema Yifka Hanod, that if eventually, when you wish to be mafresh, truma from the yayin, perhaps the yayin itself will spill, its cover will come off, and therefore there will be nothing to be mafresh from. And then the next few words are important, because Rabbi Kiva Eger says, and then they are saying, those shitas in brera, you must then, in that scenario, Rabbi Meir agreed to us, you must then agree to us that he is actually eating tevel if at the end of the day the wine spills and you're not able to be mafresh. Rabbi Kiva Eger says this seems to imply that those shitas who hold in brera are saying, yes, Rabbi Meir, there is a scenario whereby at the end of the day you will agree to us that shosetevelim lemafreya, as if to imply those people who hold Ein Brera hold it's an Iser Tevel. However, the Kilos Yaakov points out in Gitin Simen Yutes, where he discusses this issue, Machlokes Rashi and Tosas of how to understand the Shita Ein Brera, that really there are two actual separate issues in this Gemara. Issue number one, as the Gemara articulates, is the Chashash of whether you can rely, even according to the Mandyam Yesh Brera, on the fact that you're taking a chance that you're eating the foodstuffs or drinking the yayin now on the basis that there may eventually be yayin available to go ahead and do hafrasha. Maybe that's irresponsible because at the end of the day, it will not be there for the hafrasha. The second issue is if it is available for hafrasha, do you say that that hafrasha from what you eventually determine to be truma could be chalamafreya? Now, the stipler says when those Rishonim, when those Tanoim, excuse me, are asking on Reb Meir, who holds Yesh Berah, don't you agree with us that there is a problem and you're taking a chance that perhaps the wine will spill? That's when they are actually attacking Reb Meir, not on his essential sheet of Yesh Berah versus Ein Berah, but even if you would hold Yesh Berah, don't they say it's irresponsible that you may not be uh, eventually being able to mafresh. So in that point, everyone would agree, even the Mand Yomer Einbrere, even according to Shittas Rashi, who holds that Einbrere is there as a chalos, everyone will agree that the only possibility of a chalos, even according to Rashi's understanding of Einbrere, is if eventually there is a hafrasha. So when Omrulol the Reb Meir, they're not saying, according to you, Reb Meir, that we hold Einbrere, or hold is no chalos, but they would say, don't you agree you're taking a chance that if there eventually is no hafrasher, it's tevel. That's where they're expressing the concern that you'll have tevel. However, if there would be a hafrasher at the end of the day, the stipler says, then, as Rashi points out, and Rashi Shita is, that even according to the Mandi Amar Breira, the chashash would not be shosa tevalim, but the chashash would be shosa Truma v'chulen b'yachad, and as we mentioned, that would be mutter to a kohen, and the iser would only be an iser to Yisrael, according to the Man Yomer Ein Brera. The Mishnah's Reb Aaron on Kachim Simon Dalid brings a very important Gemara in Zvochim Gimel Omed Aleph concerning the issue of Yesh Brera Ein Brera, where the Gemara is discussing the issue by Zvochim of Lishma by Karben Shlomim, uh, and all other kabbonets, korban, korban Ola. Where the Gemara, where the Mishnah says on Bezam and Aleph, Kol HaZvachim Shinizbechu Shalom Lishman Ksherim, the Gemara wants to know what is the requirement of Lishma by Karbanos. The Gemara entertains the possibility of Stoma Kilishma, that as long as you don't have a negative Kavana, then the assumption is that if you Shecht a Shlomim Min HaStam, then it is considered to be Lishma. The Gemara, though, then gets into the question of Gitin. Gitin. Do we say that by Gitin, there's also the possibility of Stoma Lishma? The Torah requires Lishma by Kachim, and it also requires Lishma by Get, as we know from the Pasuk Vakasavla. So the Gemara wants to prove that there is not a concept of Stoma Kilishma by Get. That if someone would write a Get for his wife, Without writing it lishma, would you assume that since there's no shalolishma, 
since he's not using a get for one wife for another, but if he's writing a get stam, the Gemara says it has a proof that writing a get stam is not considered to be kosher from a particular case. The case is Omer Lelavler. A man says to a scribe, Kosov, go ahead and write a get, Ula'eza She'ertza, and to which one of my wives, each of which that has the same name, I will eventually decide which one of the two, a garish, I will use it to perform garishin. Meaning, the Gemara says, Posel Lagarish Bo. Now the Gemara says that if you hold Stoma Lishma, then if you're writing a get for argument's sake for a woman named Miriam, and you have two wives named Miriam, then at the end of the day, whichever wife you use it for, the Gemara says it should be good. Because you're not singling it out for one Miriam, Miriam A versus Miriam B. Therefore, it's not Shalol Lishma. Therefore, if you leave the decision blank and open, and you write it for Miriam, and then decide eventually which Miriam, if you hold Stoma Kilishma, then this get should be a good get. The fact that it, the, the Mishnah in Gittin says, Posel Garish Bo, it's a proof that just writing a get Stam without committing to one woman or another is not sufficient because you have not delineated which of the two Miriams. So the Gemara wants to prove from this case, you don't say Stamakilishma by Gittin. The Gemara then brings in the concept of Brera and says, Dilma, perhaps shiny Hossam, it's different here, the Ain Brera. Rav Aaron in Mishnas Aaron points out that if you understand Ain Brera like Tosus, that the decision that he makes eventually has no bearing on the original writing of the Get then I don't understand why the Gemara should be Docha the Raya. Because if Ein Brera, the eventual decision is immaterial. And you should go back to the very, very outset whereby you wrote the get, and you wrote the get without committing to either wife. And it stood could be Stamakilishma. And the fact it's possible should be a Raya that we don't say Stamakilishma by get. Rabbaran says, however, if you understand that according to Rashi, that even according to the man, the Yomer, Ein Brera, there is some impact on your eventual decision concerning your original activities, then I can understand why the get would be possible. Matter of fact, Rashi here explains that if I hold Ein Brera, even according to the man, the Ein Brera, it's not as if Ein Brera totally ignores the eventual decision, and it has no bearing retroactively, but rather Rashi articulates the Ein Brera, Ugreya, Ugreya, it is worse, Mistama, that eventually, when I make a decision, eventually it's worse than not making a decision. The Shema B'Shoshin Nichtav, perhaps at the time that he wrote, Lo Haya B'Daito Lazu, since he leaves it open for an eventual decision, that eventual decision, even according to the man, the Amr, Ein Brer, is not ignored. The intok l'shem Since he left it open, we don't ignore the fact that he left it open, and we say it's a chisaron in stoma. It's as if it's shalolishma, meaning if he leaves it up in the air for an eventual decision, the fact that he left it open for an eventual decision creates a chisaron in lishma. Rabbi Aaron says this makes a lot more sense if you say that even according to the man, the Amr Ein Brera, it's not a question of ignoring the eventual decision, but the eventual decision still muddles the situation. So Rabbi Aaron says you see from this Gemara that there is an idea which validates Rachi's idea that eventually the concept of Ein Brera does affect the original decision, and the eventual decision does some ha- have some bearing. The interesting question is, would Rashi, in this case of Get, say something that he says similar to the case of Truma? Would he say, just like in Truma, there's a, there is an eventual chalos, we're just not sure on which of the objects the chalos of Truma takes place, would you say here also, in the case of Gittin, 
that there is a lishma embedded in the get. We're just not sure who the lishma is for, and therefore the get is possible, which would then lead to a very interesting conclusion, according to the, extending that shitas Rashi, that if you actually then gave the get to one of the two Miriams, it would be a suffix Migoreshes. However, it's not mashma that way, way from Rashi. Rashi would say that sometimes in the case of Ein Barera, depending on which halacha you're dealing with, the halacha in itself, in its essence, requires such clarity that if the clarity is muddled, then the very definition of what's required has not been fulfilled. So, for instance, in the case of Truma, we may very well say that Truma could be chal, even though I don't know on what foodstuffs it, it is chal, on what objects it's chal, but somehow it's mixed in there. However, the very aspect of lishma requires definition. And if it's muddled, then by definition, I don't have lishma. So Rashi, in some cases of Ein Brer, depending on what din we're dealing with, may also eventually say that the Ein Brer doesn't create a confusion. But the potential of Ein Brer creating the confusion is enough here to go ahead and take away the din lishma. Therefore, according to Rashi's approach, that the eventual decision does have an effect, to muddle the situation and to confuse the situation, is enough to say that it's not stamakilishma, and therefore the Gemara could be docho deraya. So it's interesting that we very often have to look at what type of din we're dealing with. And this case of lishma baget is not a hafrashas truma, but it's the das of the person. And we're saying, just like in the case of Truma, the Hafrasha, the Maisa Trufa, Hafrasha and the Chalos should be Chal retroactively, so too we say the decision of Lishma should be Chal retroactively. And with the man, the armor holds in Brera, it won't work. And again, according to Rashi, it may not work at all in this scenario because of the particular requirements of Lishma. The first question that we have dealt with up to now in Lishma as we mentioned, is how to understand the machlokas between yesh brera and ein brera, if it's a question of no chalos at all, like Tosus in Erev and Lamed Zayin and Bey says, or if it's like Rashi Shita, that in some cases the eventual decision of ein brera still has some impact retroactively, and in the case of Trumas and Maestros can create, can create a chalos truma, just the problem is the chalos is, in, is immuddled, and somehow is mixed within the contents, and we're not sure, and we have Truma and Chulin, Murav, and Biachad. That's question number one in Brera. What exactly is the sheet of the Mandyamar in Brera? The second major question in the Sugi of Brera is that it appears there are many cases in Shas that should be subject to the concept of Ein Brera, Yesh Brera, but are not. Now, if we learn that the whole issue of Ein Brera and Yesh Brera is just a question of having something that we do in the future, being Chal and acting retroactively, then the Rishonim say there's a problem with the general concept of Tanai, of a stipulation. We know that Tanai B'nai God and B'nai Ruvain, which is the marker for all Tanayim, should be, according to many Rishonim, a classical case of Brera. Moshe Rabbeinu says to Ruvain God and Chatzishev and Menashe that they will go ahead and be Zoha to the Ever Hayardin, and that will then go ahead and be their Chelek if they eventually do something. How could Moshe have gone ahead and actually promised it to them? How could he, so to speak, have done a Maisa Kinyan and a commitment to them that will not be Chal immediately but will be dependent on a future situation, that if B'nai God and B'nai Reuven go ahead and lead the fight into Eretz Yisrael, then in the future it will retroactively come true that the land belonged to them. Isn't that a case of Brera? Isn't every case of Tanai the Rishonim ask a case of Brera? Meaning if a person says, Hareat mekudeshesli, you are going to be my wife, me'achshav now, if it rains in a week or two weeks, then everyone agrees that if it rains in a week or two weeks, or even a simpler case, 
You are my wife, Almanas, which is me'achshav, from now. You are my wife today. If eventually you pay me, it seems everyone agrees that that Kedushin is chal, me'achshav, retroactively. Why isn't that case of T'nai totally in Brera? Similarly, there's a famous raivet at the beginning of the second parak of Bab Metzia, Elam Tzias Chafav Mebez, that actually says the famous machlokis of Yehosh Shalomidas, a case where somebody loses an Aveda, and before he finds out it is an Aveda, and it is lost, and before he actually is Miyayish and gives up, the question is, in the interim, before the owner of the object finds out about the lost object, since we assume, because it has no simon, he will eventually be Miyayish, can you pick up the object in the interim? The Gemara there in Chafal of says, the famous Machlok is, Itmar Yehosh Lomidas, Abai Omar Lo Haviyeyosh, Verova Omar Haviyeyosh. The Raivin in the Shita Mekubetza says, Hach Plukte Dabavai Rava. This essential Machlok is between Abai Verova, which is one of the most famous cases in Shas, one of the six cases of Yal Kagam, where you're like Abai. He says, the Raivin, this Machlok is of Abai and Rava, Biyesh Lomidas, Kosheli. It's problematic to him at first glance. The Shaychele Brera, the Ein Brera. Isn't this a classical case of something that is not known now, eventually will be known when the person gives up? Let us say that when he eventually gives up, in a few days or whenever it may be, then retroactively we know that the Aveda was mutter from the original time of the loss. So the Ravid says, V'lif alma. This machlokas abay varav of yesh lomidas should be the general machlokas of yesh breir or ein breir. Then the Ravid makes an ambiguous statement, elishiyesh lemevin, to someone who really understands the machlokas of ein breir or yesh breir, lahafligo meinian breir. Someone who really understands should know that there's a distinction between yesh lomidas and the sugya of breir. So how did the Rishonim attack this issue? That there's the case of Tnai, the case of Yeshulomidas, many cases throughout Shas that seem to be similar to the Machlokas of Brera, and the Gemara ignores the Sugi of Brera when discussing the Sugi of Tnai and the Sugi of Yeshulomidas. So Tosus on our Sugi of Gimel on the bottom, mentions the Shitas Rashi. Shitas Rashi is Perisham Bukuntris, Mishum de Einze. That when a person, he gives a few qualifications to us in the name of Rashi, that when a person makes a tnai and the get, and it's in his hands to be Makayamit, and he wishes to be Makayim in it, then that's not Shaykh to Brera. Aval Hacha, but in a case, the Ein Biyada, in a case, for instance, of Get Shchiv Mera, where it's a case that it's Kin Shmuel, Shmuel was Matakin, Begitta, then a Get of Shchiv Mera, that when he gives a Get, it's implied, Im Yomus, if he dies, then it will become a Get, and if he doesn't die, it will not become a Get, and the Gemara says, that get, based on the condition of whether he dies or not, whether that's a get or not, and whether it's dependent upon his death, is determined on Yesh Brera. Why is that dependent on Yesh Brera as opposed to a regular Tznai? Tosa says in the name of Rashi, It's not B'yado. That the chiluk in Rashi is mainly on the nature of the stipulation. If the stipulation is a stipulation that is biyado, that it is in his hands, and he's in control of the whole situation, then we say that that is a classical case of Tznai. The classical case of Brera, Miesh Brera, Ein Brera, is a case, as Rashi says, we would apply Brera, Ein Brera, in a scenario where the person is not in control of Tznai. It's dependent on outside factors to determine whether the Tznai will be Mekuyam. And then we say, Then we need Brera to say 
that if that eventual reality of death or not death happens, then that's Talion Yeshbera Aiden Brera. The issue, of course, will all be our Gemara, where our Gemara says that someone says, let Truma and Maisris be Chal from now, when I eventually am Mafrasha in the future. So that case is a little problematic. Why would say Yesh Brera, Nevertheless, Rashi and Tosas say the case of Tanai is a case whereby it's Biyado, and when it's Biyado, there is no issue of Brera. The Ramban disagrees with this vehemently, and there are many cases in Shas that all the Rishonim bring, some of which bolster their Shita, some of which contradict their opinions. But the Ramban in Gitna Chafhei Amad Bey says, Zahaklal. Sha'ani Omer Bebreira. Kol Dover Shetno Bemaise Tola Tnai Bedover Echod Umaise Echod. That when there's one issue, when there's one stipulation with one Maisa, then Hareza Kayim, that's not dependent on Brera. So the classical cases, according to the Ramban, I know exactly what my specific outcome is. For instance, someone says, Hareat Makudeshisli, you are uh, married to me on the condition that uh, rain will come down, on the condition you give me money. He says, that is not a case of being Masna Bishnei meaning what you want to achieve and the specific chalos that you want to achieve is so clear. For instance, you want to be Magarish, this specific woman. The chalos, what you want to accomplish, is 100% clear. So in such a case, that's what the Torah is mechadish in the parsha of Tnoim of B'nai God of B'nai Ruve. That a person has bailus, a person has control over the chalos of his maisa. And he could go ahead and he could make that chalos bichal in 100 days. He could say, this get his chal in 30 days, 40 days. Or the Pasha of Tanoim says you can control that chalos through a stipulation. But what you're controlling is clear from the outset. What you want to do is be Magarish, this specific woman. The case of Brera, according to the Ramban, is a case where the chalos itself is not clear. The case of Brera and the issue of Yesh Brera, Brera is not a question of retroactively being in control of a chalos, allowing an eventual chalos to go ahead and be chal retroactive, because that's the classical case of Tanai, according to Ramban. The case of Brera is when your chalos is not sure, is unsure and unclear. So, for instance, Argamar. Argamar says, let Truma be chal on this yayin, from the yayin and barrels I eventually choose. Meaning, you're not even sure where the chalos ha is eventually going to take place. So when your chalos is not sure from the moment you wish that chalos to be chal, it, it, it creates two doubts. Doubt number one is, will you be mafresh? And doubt number two is, what and exactly you will be mafresh from. Another example, which may even be clearer, is the classical case of Eruve Tchumim, where a person says that if the Chochem comes in the east, then my Erev will be in the east. If the Chochem comes in the west, the Chochem will come in the west. So there, first of all, there's a Tnai, meaning if the Chochem comes in the east, or if the Chochem comes in the West. But there your Chalos itself is also not clear. Your Chalos is not saying, I want to accomplish one Chalos, one act, or I want to accomplish one Erev. I'm holding what I'm accomplishing also up to doubt. I'm not sure if I want my Erev in the East, I'm not sure if I want my Erev in the West. So my, uh, my goal is not clear. The Ramban says the issue of Brera is not a question of allowing my chalos to eventually be determined by something or to be determined by something retroactively, but it's a question of Brera determining what, what my chalos is at a later time. I'm not sure what Erev I want now. To say that I can now determine what my Erev will eventually be 
retroactively. That's a suffake, bishnei dvarim. He's saying the machlokas of ein breira or yesh breira is a question of is can I determine what my chalos and what I want to accomplish will be? Can I say huvra hadover lemafreya and make that retroactive? So by way of example, the case of Yehoshalomi Das and the Ravid's question may now be clear what the distinction is. I know what I want to accomplish by Yehoshalomi Das. What I want to accomplish by Yehoshalomi Das is clear. It's not a question of Brera. I want there to be Yehosh on this specific object. That's not Brera. I know what I want. I know what I want to achieve. Not like Tchum, I'm not sure where I want to Tchum. Not like by Truma, I'm not sure where I want the Truma from. I know what I want to achieve. And the question of Yehoshalom Das is a separate issue. It's a separate issue of taking a, per- a person's Das and allowing it to be Chalim Afreya. Now, the, uh, in this case, the, the Ramban's distinction is very, very clear. It's important to note that Rashi and Tosus do not make this distinction. There is a third possibility, which is based on Tshuvas HaRashba, Chelek Beis, Simen Pei Beis, whereby the Rashba gives a third possibility as to how to define when to apply Brera or not. Again, Rashi is, Rashi is quoted by Tosus and Arsugi says, you apply Brera when it's not Biyado. The Ramban says, you apply Brera in a case where the actual thing you want to accomplish is up in the air and not clear, like either an Erev on one side or the other, or Truma on objects you're not sure about. But the Rashba has a third possibility to say when you apply Brera and when you don't. The question that the Rashba asked was, Someone says, right now, I'm making a sale to you of one of my fields, and I will determine at a later date which of these fields will be yours. The Kaimalon, that the Gemara in Menachos, Kuf Ches Omer Aleph, says that that is a good sale, and Sheyitin Lo, he should give to him. Ezer Mehem Sheyitzeh. The Shoal wants to know why would that be different than another case of Brera, where the Gemara says that there were Tznuim. The Gemara in Maruba, above Akama Samach Tesom says that there was people who there were these people who were big tzaddikim, and they knew passers people who would pass by, passers by would go ahead and grab some of their fruit. They were afraid that the people who would pass by would grab fruit. That did not, that was Tevel, that did not have her freshest Trumas and Maestras. And they said, they made a tonight, and they put money aside, and they said, I am going to go ahead and be, take Maeser on whatever eventually, whatever fruits people will eventually go ahead and pick. They also went ahead and said, Kol HaMislakit, anyone who picks fruit, not knowing which fruit they will pick, Yehei Hefker. The Gemara says whether that works, whether the Hefker is Chalim Efreya on that particular fruit, that we do not know from the outset which fruit it is. Could that Hefker be Chalim Efreya to go ahead and exempt the people picking it from Trumas or Maestras? It's totally on Yesh Brera So the Shoal in the Rashba is asking, what's different between selling Karka and determining it later and making Hefker on your Peros, and that being determined later. Now it appears that Rashi and Tosus would say, there's a clear difference. One is Biyado. I'll eventually go ahead. Either I will decide or you will decide which piece of land, Biyado. However, when a person says, whatever someone else picks from my land will go ahead and be Hefker retroactively, that's not Biyado. It's interesting how the Ramban would deal with this issue. Because in this issue, the problem of karka is you're not 100% sure on what piece of karka your chalos will be. So it's interesting to try to understand how the Ramban will deal with this issue. But the Rashba deals with this issue in a very interesting way, in a third possibility of defining when I say brera and when I don't say brera. At the end of his tshuva, he says, The lo din brera, el b'ma shi'i afshar 
לגריש בו דלא נכתוב לשמו, אי נמי באי מייסי. שאם אין ברירה הווה לגט לאחר מיסר, ומיכל ושויסר, שאם אין ברירה אי אפשר לשתוס להווה לתבל. The whole question of ברירה ואין ברירה is when I need the chalos to be chal retroactively. ברירה is when I need the get not to be chal from my eventual קיום התנאי, או from the moment that I want the chalos to take place. Because, for instance, if a person says, הרעת מקודשת לי אם מייסי, if the chalos is at the time of מיסה, אין גל אחר מיסה. So I need ברירה to go ahead, and by definition to allow the get to be chal. I also, in our case, need the hafrashas truma eventually to also be chal in Afreya. So when I need Brera, when the whole case requires the Chalos to go ahead and be Chal retroactively, that's totally on Brera. When it's an absolute requirement that the whole point of the Chalos is to be Chal retroactively, then I would say Ein Brera or Yesh Brera. However, the Rashba says that if there's a scenario that I don't need Brera, that the whole halacha of Ein Brera or Yesh Brera is not necessary for what I want to accomplish. So meaning, I sell someone a field. It's not absolutely required, or it's not definitive that I sell today to him on Tuesday. I could also sell it to him on Thursday. If a person says, you know, let's do the deal now, it's convenient, and we'll pick the field in a few days, It really doesn't matter. The person doesn't absolutely need the sale to happen today. The sale can happen eventually in a few days. So the Rosh Bashit is interesting. If a person doesn't need Brera, it's not absolute in his decision-making process. And he's not dependent on something to be Chalim Afreya. Then he enters the problem of Brera by being dependent on it. Depend, someone who's dependent absolutely on the retroactive chalos of it, of Brera, then Brera doesn't work. But if I have the potential to go ahead and to do the Maisekinian later, I just, I'm stretching it out for no particular reason, then he says it's not totally on Brera or, or, or Ein Brera or Yesh Brera. And the Svar and the Rashba might be, is how do you actually view this transaction? If a person goes ahead and sells a field today, and then he says, I will then pick which field it is in the future, since his intent is not necessarily to hold things in abeyance, but rather he has not made the absolute decision, and he doesn't care if the chalois hakinit even occurs later, then it may be, according to the Rashba, I view it as one long continuum. However, in the case of Yesh Brera, Ein Brera, I, I, I can't view it as a continuum because I absolutely need the Chalos to take place now. So, for instance, in our case, I'm saying I need the Hafrasha right now. So I am actually going ahead and doing a Hafrasha now, and I absolutely need the Hafrasha now because if the Hafrasha is Chal later, then I'm eating Tevel. In a case, or from the very outset, I enter into a chalos, knowing that I absolutely need what eventually happens to be chalim afreya, the Rashba feels when you're dependent on the retroactive nature of what you're trying to accomplish, then it has a certain chison, that's totally on ein brera or yesh brera. When I'm not absolutely dependent on it, then the concept of yesh brera or ein brera does not come into play. This is the Rashba's klal in his tshuvas. So once again, just a little overview. When we deal with Ein Brer or Yesh Brer, we had our first question of exactly what is the Machlokes. Is it that there's no Chalos at all, according to the Man Yomer Ein Brera versus Yesh Brer, or is it like Shittas Rashi and Chulun Yudalad? There is a Chalos. We're just not sure how the Chalos takes effect, and therefore the Chisarun and our Sugi of Lokeach Yaimi Ben Akusim would be Truma and Chulun Merav and Biachad. The second issue in Brera was, what is the gather of when we say Brera, or we don't say Brera? Shita number one was Rashi brought in Tosas and Ar Sugya. 
that once something is biyado, it's already in the gather of Tanai, and therefore there's no longer Brera. The Shita of the Ramban in Gitin Chaf Hei Amid Beis, that it is actually a, a dis- major distinction between whether I know what I wish to accomplish, if it's clear what I wish to accomplish, what my close will be, then that is the Parsha of Tnoim. And Brera has nothing to do with the question of having a a chalos, uh, uh, having a chalos uh, being chal retroactively. That's not an issue. That's the parsha of Tanoim. The question of Yesh Brera Ein according to Ramban is when I'm not sure what my chalos is, can I say Huvra Hadover Lemafreya that this is the chalos that I wished? Like the case of I'm not sure do I want an heir of the Mizrach Lamarav? And the third is the Shittas Harashba, who says that when I am dependent on Brera, absolutely, for the Chalos that eventually takes place, to be Chal retroactively, then I'm subject to Yesh Brera, Brera. But when I am not really dependent on that, but rather I enter into a transaction, I could view that transaction as having a continuum, and I'm not really dependent on Yesh Brera, Brera. And in such a case, I will not have a problem of the issue of Yeshbera Embrer. Our last topic will be the issue of Hausa Sukaso Ben Ha'ilonos, Vahailonos Stefanos Lo Keshera. This is the Mishan Chavdalad Medbez, and this has to do with a halachic issue that comes up in our day and age. How strong and how sturdy do the walls of the sukkah have to be? Specifically, can a sukkah be made out of walls consisting of sheets? So this sugya is based on this mission, as we mentioned, Hausa Sukkoso, someone who makes a sukkah, Ben Ha'ilonos. He's not using the Ilonos themselves for either schach, but rather he's using them for the Defanos. And he's not even, as Rashi says, Ben Ha'ilonos Ba'aretz, lo samcha aleim avlahein Defanoseha. We also don't get into the problem of using something that's not kosher for schach as being mamed the schach, but rather, someone makes a sukkah and uses the uh, uses the lanos, the true the trees merely as the funos. So the Mishnah makes a blanket statement: kishera. The Gemara says, "Amar vacha bar Yaakov, kol mechitza sheini yechol olama baruch matzuya ena mechitza." The concept of having mechitza that's sturdy enough to withstand a normal wind seems to be applicable to these halachas of the trees, which is interesting, because it doesn't seem that the issue here is that the trees are going to fall down. When we had this sugya, a block before, of kol mechitza she'enuru yicholamad baruch matsuya ena mechitza, it was concerning ha'osis sukaso besfina, whereby you're afraid that the actual defanos are going to fall over. However, it appears that there's an extension of this concept, that a mechitza has to be able to withstand the ruach matsuya. As Rashi Diver Hamaschal says, She'en Yechol Amad Baruch Matsuya, Sharuach Molicha Umevia. The requirement that the walls are able to withstand a normal wind, Ruach Matsuya, is not only a requirement that they don't fall down in a normal wind, but they don't even move in a normal wind. The obvious question is going to be what is the shear of movement that is allowed? It's inconceivable that you're going to have to have walls that don't move at all with the wind. However, the Gemara seems to indicate that there has to be a certain stent, a certain amount of sturdiness. And the Gemara continues, Someone who goes ahead and puts his sukkah between the trees, Ilonos function as walls for the sukkah, The Gemara asks, It's not a Chiddush of Rashi that the walls themselves cannot move a certain amount, but it's actually the Gemara says it. Not only do the walls not have to be able to fall, but they have to also be able not to move a certain amount. Again, the question is how much. So the Gemara elaborates, We're dealing with strong trees. So we know that even among strong trees, there are there is some movement. So therefore, clearly, the walls of Sukkah can move somewhat. The issue of the Gemara, however, says, Va'ika, but there is nofo. There are the branches of the trees. So the Gemara answers that when you use the branches for the funos, what you could do is you can tie them up or you can supplement them with additional mechitzas. 
And if you do that, then it is kosher. The Gemara then discusses not only the concept of mechitzos by sukkah, but also discusses the concept of mechitzos by diyumod, mechitzos by, uh, by ervin. And it also says similarly by ervin, a diyumod, that the halacha is that whatever mechitzos you have to put up, if you use a tree for diyumod, in the case of uh, ervin, the halacha is hosum nami, mishum da'ovid lebuhutsa v'dafna, also, the branches may be problematic, and the branches have to either be strengthened or supplemented. Now, the question is, what is the shear? What is the actual requirement of how sturdy the walls have to be? How much are they allowed to move? The Rambam in Parish Mishnayis, commenting on this Mishnah, says that there are two requirements for the walls of the sukkah. The Rambam says, Ha'osa sukkaso ben ha'ilonos. The Raman Parish of Shnei says, Ha'ilonos inan ru'uyus, shiud defanos ele bishnei t'noim. There are two requirements for the defanos in terms of their strength. Ha'echad shiud osom ha'ilonos betachlis ha'ovi v'achizuk. One is that the ilonos have to be the strong portion, the trunk of the tree. Shalot taniem ha'ruach. Now these are the key words, v'yotu it has to be that they are strong enough so the trees do not bend all the way down to the ground. Karsher yikra, like what would occur. La'anofim hadakim, like what would occur to those branches that are very, very light. So the Ram seems to give us a very, very makel um, shear. The Ram says that as long as the defanos don't actually bend over all the way to the ground, the Dafanos Aksheros. And he says the second requirement is Vasheni Shiamale Rosha Ilon that if you have those branches as part of your uh, dofen, as part of your wall, that actually bend down all the way to the ground, then as he, as the Gemara says, you must supplement them. Shiamale Rosha Ilon Ben Hanofim Beteven Vakeyotzibo Kedeshi Iskayim Veloyanen Haruach. So the Rambam is of gives us a very makel sheet in Parish Mishnayis. And the Rambam says in Parish Mishnayis that the walls just have to remain sturdy enough so the wind doesn't bend them all the way down to the ground, which seems to give us a lot of leeway and a lot of room in terms of the ability for the defunos to give way. However, the Rambam in Parish Dalet Halacha Hei in Hilchus Sukkah says, Ha'usas sukaso ben ha'ilonos ve'ilonos defunos lo, im hayu chazokim, if the trees themselves are sturdy, the Rambam again doesn't give us an absolute shear, but rather the Rambam says as long as they are not consistently moving, which seems to be a different shear in the Yad Chazoka as opposed to the Rambam Parish Mishnais. There it's a question of not frequency, but there, there's a, it's a question of extent. In Parish Mishnayis, it seems to be that the trees must be strong enough to the extent that they don't bend over all the way to the ground. Here, the Rambam still seems to be concer- more concerned with the issue of, is it that they are so sensitive, the trees or the mechitzas, that they consistently move? Again, so we, again, we don't know exactly how much movement is permissible or prohibited. And then the Rambam says, "Umale ben ha'imarim betevenu b'kash kadesh lo tonud osam haruach v'kash osam harezuk shera." Those portions that move too much, either you tie them or you fill them in. Again, this is based on that klal kol mechitza she'en ruya she'en yechol amad baruch metsuya shayavash she'en mechitza. Therefore, the klal that the defanos of the sukkah must withstand a normal wind is not just a requirement in terms of them being knocked down by the wind but they also really cannot move. The question again is, how much movement is allowed? The Shulchan Aruch in Simen Tafresh Lamed, Sif Yud says, Ha'osa sukaso ben ha'ilonos ve'ilonos tafanos lo, imiu chazokim, like the Roshan HaRambam, o she'kosher osom ve'chizek osom, ad she'lote ha'aruch metsuya me'nida oso tomid, again, all the Roshan of the Rambam. Again, he doesn't seem, the Shulchan Aruch, to give us a a, a Sheer, an exact measurement of how much they could move. Again, here he uses the Lashon as long as it's not moving consistently. 
Now, the case that the Shulchan Aruch brings of a mechitza that clearly would be problematic in the wind, the Shulchan Aruch says, Al Kain, therefore, he says, as an example of something that moves too much, is you should not use any type of sheets, even if they're made of linen, without going ahead and strengthening with kanim. Even though a person has gone ahead and tied them, the Shulchan Aruch continues, Tying the sheets down is not enough because Zimnin, we're, we are worried that perhaps sometimes the Mintiki, the they might be loosened and you won't be aware of it. Therefore, he says you have to back them up that even though the Defanas themselves are made of Ureos, are made of curtains, what you can do is at least create a Mechitza Asarat Fachim around the perimeter of the Sukkah. And as long as they are made of strips of kanim, as long as they have strips, and those strips do not have between them a vertical distance of more than three tfachim, then at least you have a mechitza based on love for a sar tfachim, and that will serve as your basic tefanos. So we see at least that something that is not acceptable without giving us a specific amount of movement are curtains. The Mishnah Baruch and Sif Kot Memches says, "Av shelote aruach mitzuya meni da'asam." But Zonal Lomar, the Mishnah Baruch says, "The im meni da'asam." It it seems to indicate that if they move, "Afilu em b'koach aruach lahapel da'asam lagamre." Again, the Mishnah Baruch is telling us a chiddush in our Gemara here in Chavdalim Midbeis. The chiddush is even if the ruach is not going to knock down the mechitzes, if it moves them too much, then that movement would passel them. Is once a mechitza moves too much from the wind, the shuv lo chashiv mechitza loses the shem mechitza. Now the question is: Is this requirement a requirement practically? Is it a seba or is it a simon? Meaning, if someone can protect the curtains and put walls around the curtains, or if the curtains are within your house, would you say that since practically those mechitzas will never move, they have a shame mechitza, that would mean it's a siba. That would mean that practically when they move, they lose the shame mechitza. Or is it a simon? Or is it rather an indication or a requirement that under normal conditions, if those mechitzas move, even if they are protected, they don't have a shame mechitza. The Mishnah Brewer tells us that even though practically you can protect those curtains or that flimsy mechitza from ever moving the shear, then it is still not considered to be a mechitza because in order to gain a shame mechitza, the halacha is that it is required to be omed beruach matsuya and not to move excessively. Again, the question is, what is the shear of 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 excess in terms of movement, the Chazayin Yish and Simon Ayanzai and Sifkot and Vav discusses this at length. The sheet of most poskim is that this concept of movement is based on the general concept of lovehood. That if you have walls of your sukkah and the walls of your sukkah in a regular wind move more than three tfachim in any direction, then you would say that that is considered to be a mechitza she'en ruya. Lahalacha, this appear may be a problem with some of the sukkahs that we have that are made out of canvas that may move more than three tfachim. Many poskim say that you have to be very, very careful that your walls do not move, especially if they're made out of canvas or linen, do not move more than three tfachim in each direction, which is the prevalent shita. As the Mishnah Brewer says, even though practically you can protect them, it's not a question of, of practically whether they move or not, but it is a question in Shem Mechitza. And as we see from the Gemara, this is not only a halach in Sukkah, but since the Gemara on Chavdal and Beis applies it also to the of Diyumot, and since the Shulchan Aruch brings this same halach in Hilos Ervin, Simen Shin Samach Beis, we see this halacha b'chol Torah Kula b'shem Mechitza. Once again, the Raman Perish from Shnayis seems to give us more leeway. However, it seems that at the end of the day, the Pesach halacha is Gimel Tfachim, even though it appears from the Raman, both are Perish from Shnayis, the Rambam in Hilchus Sukkah and the Shulchan Aruch, 
that the requirement may be a requirement of that it doesn't move too frequently, a requirement that the branches or the mechitas actually don't bend over for the ground. But Lehilchasa, most poskim say it's a question of moving Gimel Tfachim in one direction or another. You have been listening to the Shurim of Shas Illuminated. Shas Illuminated is a non-profit organization dedicated to broadening the learning of those studying the Daf worldwide. If you would like to make a donation or to dedicate a Daf or Masechta, please visit our website at shasilluminated.org or call 203-312-SHAS. You can also email us at shasilluminated at gmail.com.